Well, hey, good morning, everybody. This is Nathan Harris from Celebration Center. I'm so glad that you're with us today. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I am the lead pastor here. And I just want to welcome you. Thank you so much for making us part of your Sunday morning and joining us for worship and, and for the word this morning. Hey, it's Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all of you dads out there. I want to take a minute just to celebrate you. You know, dads are in a unique uh, position. Not that moms aren't important. Obviously, they are. We need moms and, and all of that. But today, we're celebrating dads. It's Father's Day. And dads are in a unique position because dads have this thing about them where they are able to uh, influence kids in directions in life simply by being around. Kids see the examples of their dads and they want to emulate that. Uh, that's been a sobering thought for me. I've had some conversations with my wife and it's been a sobering thought for me in, in moments. You know, there are some good things that I really want my kids to do and there are some things that I don't want them to do so much. But dads are like that. That's what dads do. They show the way. Kids are watching and it is a huge responsibility. So I want to honor dads. Now, I, I realize that many of us have had some bad experiences with our dads. We've been let down. We've been hurt. Uh, there are wounds there. And I don't want to diminish or minimize any of those things. And I'm certainly not wanting to celebrate, you know, those, those points. But I, what I do want to celebrate is the responsibility that dads have and to call out the best in dads. That's what we need. We need dads who are showing the way, who are loving, who are present, and all of that. So dads, I want to celebrate you right now, today. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for the dads that are watching, that aren't watching right now. Uh, God, I pray your a special blessing on them. I know there's a lot in this world that tries to tear them down, tries to tear us down, uh, to make us feel like or look like buffoons or, you know, like we're unneeded or, or any, anything like that. But God, that, that is so far from, from the reality. You have designed it so that you, we are a delivery system of your love. So God, I want to pray that you would bless every dad with your presence today, with your spirit today, that you would empower us to live as, as you want us to to live in the self-sacrificial, that self-giving love that we have received from you. Help us to live that way. And help us all, God, to honor our dads, the, whether they're with us or we can only honor them in memory, or maybe we're just separated by, by time and space right now. But God, I, I pray that you would help all of us to honor our dads today and, and to show them how much we love them, how much we appreciate them, and yeah, Father, just be with all of the dads today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks, guys. Hey, listen, um, we are going to wrap up our series through Philippians today. Uh, we're going to finish off. This is part nine. If you've missed any part of it, I encourage you to go to our website, ccpwallop.com. Click on either the sermon podcast link or the YouTube link, and you can get caught up. It's I've enjoyed it. I think it's been good. I've heard a lot of other uh, comments from people. They've enjoyed our time in Philippians. It's been very challenging. It speaks 
directly to the kind of situation that we're in today with the pandemic and and the racial injustice that that we're we're facing and and grappling with in our nation and how do we as a church move forward how do we uh, church capital C I mean not just celebration center but how do we as Christians as as a community of of Christ followers how do we move forward in this time Philippians has a lot to say about this and what we've seen from beginning to end in this letter of Philippians is that Christ followers are called to live our citizenship our membership in God's family as as being God's kids, to live our membership in a manner worthy of the gospel, to put the message that God has at last fulfilled his promises, that he has brought rescue and restoration to human beings, that he's renewing the entire creation, right? And he's, he's started this entire project all through Jesus Christ, all right? What Jesus has accomplished on the cross is what brings this right relationship between humans and, and, and God and even humans and, and other humans and humans in the world around us. All right? And so Paul says, live your citizenship as Christ followers in a manner worthy of the gospel that puts that message on display in every day, in every way, wherever, whatever situation you encounter. Now, our passage this morning, Paul is going to wrap up with a few concluding remarks, and he's going to give some instruction. We're actually not going to read the entire uh, rest of, of chapter 4 this morning. A lot of it, Paul is, is thanking the Philippians for their gift, which is important. I want to encourage you to read that. But I want us to focus on verses 4 through 9 this morning. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to camp out there, 4 through 9, and, and we'll, we'll wrap up our time in Philippians together. I'm going to read out of the NIV. You can open up your Bible or your Bible app and follow along there. Here we go. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 through 9. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul's main concern in this letter is the work of the gospel through this Philippian church. Right where they're at, right in the context that they're living in. Paul is, is concerned with the, with the gospel going out from them to the world around them. And he wants to make sure that despite any influence or pressure, the church in Philippi lives out the gospel in their immediate community of believers and in the wider community that they live in. All right? They are, in fact, a colony of heaven in Philippi. They have been tasked with bringing the life 
and the rule of God into every situation they live in, that they encounter, the places they go, the groups they meet in. And one of the key passages in this entire letter has been Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. It says this, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves. He says, live out your citizenship in God's kingdom. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Then whether I come and see you only or hear, hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Paul wants them to reflect the gospel well to the world around them, and he wants them to reflect the gospel well to each other so that they are unified together and so that, so that together they can stand firm in what it is God has called them to. So the passage we're looking at this morning heads in that very same direction. So I've got three things that I wanted to key on this morning in, in this, this passage. So here are, here are the three things that I want us to look at. Number one, rejoice in the Lord together. Rejoice in the Lord together. Philippians 4, 4 through 5 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, what Paul is talking about here is that the subject, the subject and the content of joy is the Lord. It's God himself, what he has done. Not the circumstances we find ourselves in, not the situations we encounter, not the outcomes that we do or don't get or that we're hoping for or anything like that. Those things might be cause to, to celebrate and, and all of that, but those are not the, the subject and the content of our joy. He says the Lord is that God himself, this good God who has brought us into his family, who has given us a place as, as his kids, that this good God is the, the substance and, and, and the subject and the content of our joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let God be your joy, he says. Verse 5, let your gentleness. Now, this one is, is hard for us, I think. It's hard for everybody because it's, it's about gentle forbearance. Think about the action of Jesus on the cross as he's hanging on the cross, as he's dying unjustly. And he cries out and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's gentle forbearance. It's, it's Jesus allowing the world to do the worst it possibly can to him without him retaliating back at it. That's gentle forbearance. Let your gentleness be evident to all, to those inside the church. Let it mark your life inside the church, but also let it be seen outside in the, and toward the community around you. The Lord is near. He is both near to those who call on him and he is soon to return. When Paul says to rejoice in the Lord in verse 4, he's saying to live every day in a way that celebrates God, that celebrates God's goodness, that celebrates this gospel message that comes from God and that we do that together. This is a community sport, all right? It's a team sport. This celebration of God, this rejoicing in the Lord is a team sport. It's, yes, I need to do it individually. You need to do it individually. But Paul is calling us to do this 
corporately together in every day, in every way to celebrate God together. I remember <clears throat> I was on staff at another church and um, I was on the, the discipleship team and my boss was, uh, he had been writing a book, a really good book, and he had been trying to get it published and he had been in conversation with two or three different publishers, I think at the time. Anyway, he, uh, he comes out of his office one day and he's got this great big grin on his face and he, and it was all simultaneously. Okay. So it's, this is all happening at one time, but he comes, he says, I got a book deal. And, and he hugs me and we start jumping up and down doing this little kind of impromptu huggy dance thing. It was kind of funny. Um, but it was a celebration and it was worth celebrating. It was worth rejoicing over because this was something that he had been working really hard for that had been coming to fruition. But I had also been working with him in prayer, with him and for him in this process. And so we were able to come together and we were able to rejoice together in that moment. Let me ask you this though. How often do we look only to those kinds of events as the substance of our joy. Those times when we finally get what we want, what we've longed for, maybe even what we've worked really, really hard for, or something even unexpected but really good happens to us or for us, how often are those things what we are joyous about and what we look for and that we're not joyful until we encounter those things? As Paul wraps up this letter, he calls the Philippians and us. You need to hear that. This is a call for you and me. This is a call for today. He calls us to rejoice in the Lord, to root our joy in God himself as opposed to our circumstances and our situations or even the really good things that come our way. We, are, we can be joyful because of who our joy is as opposed to what happens to us. We can be joyful in all situations and at all times because our joy is this good God. It is this one who supplies what we need, who has loved us beyond measure, wildly, radically loved us and brought wholeness into our lives. No matter what else happens, we can be joyful and we need to do so together. How do we do it? Number two on your outline, rejoice through prayer together. Rejoice through prayer together. Here's what Paul says, verses six and seven. He says, do not be anxious about anything. He's not saying don't be, he's not saying to be unconcerned about everything. One commentator put it this way. He said, the children of the kingdom live without care, not careless. There's a difference. The children of the kingdom live without care, not careless. Think about a child who is able to play and run and engage in family stuff and, and rejoice and, and just kind of be a kid all because they know their position in the family. They know that they are loved, that they are cared for. That's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, don't worry about anything. And, and that's really what, what Paul is rooting this, this command in to not be anxious 
Don't worry about anything. Live without care, not careless, but live without care or worry because you know that your good God is in your corner. He's not just in your corner. He wants to take care of you. He's longing to, to meet your needs. Do not be anxious. This is a choice that we can make, you guys. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, no matter what happens, no matter what you encounter, by prayer and petition, by asking, he says, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You guys, this is the proper position of the Christian life. Anyone who is in Christ, this is where we need to be living. In prayer and petition with thanksgiving, presenting our requests to God. If we are going to live the life worthy of the gospel that we're called to, that we're created for, then we need to do this. We need to celebrate God by doing this kind of prayer in together. Okay? And here's why. When we don't recognize God as God, and that's, that's what prayer is doing. When, when we're doing prayer, we're, we're coming to God and we're saying, hey, we are your creatures and we can't earn good stuff. We can't create good stuff. We need you to supply this for us. It's a recognition of who God is in thankfulness. When we do that, then gratitude or excuse me, generosity in us is able to grow and to spill out and to go everywhere around us. We actually can become more generous through this process. But what happens when we don't is that we begin to slip into idolatry. When we are grumbling against God or when we are trying in our own anxiety, trying to make things happen as we think they ought to or the way that they ought to or make what happen, what we think should happen, all of those kinds of things apart from God, then what happens is, is we're, we're beginning to replace God with something else, whether it's ourselves or, or that thing that, it, that we're chasing after, that we're longing for. Don't be anxious about anything, but in all, every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This is a, a, a humble act. And it doesn't have to be tearful. It can be joyous. It can be tear tearful as well, right? But it's the position. It's saying, you are God and I am not. And here's what happens. As you do so, as you do this, the peace that is the wholeness of God, which transcends all understanding, this, this way that only God can make things right in the middle of every situation, that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus as you remain in him. There's a lot of cool stuff here, you guys. Don't be anxious. Rather, humble yourselves in prayer and thanksgiving and let God be God. This was important to the Philippian situation because in the pagan world, there was a lot of anxiety. There was just this general sense of anxiety because there were so many different gods to placate. Nobody knew for sure which god or goddess would be angry at them or for what reason even. People had to do whatever they could to hopefully placate the gods 
all right? So that the gods would be on their side or at least not actively against them. Now, you and I don't live in a culture where people are largely concerned with placating a lot of different deities. But we do live with a sense of dread and anxiousness. We worry about lack, about what we don't have, or about how life might go. And we try to fend off our fear of lacking by earning enough to cover whatever it is we think is our lack, whether that's power or money or influence or friends or likability or what you fill in the blank for you. Paul tells us to celebrate God every day through prayer together. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Why? Because our God is the good, loving, creator God. He not only made the world, but he made me. He made you. He knows what we need. He longs to provide what we need. He wants to be that in our lives, you guys. And when we choose to acknowledge him as that, he's able to fulfill that in our lives. This is the proper starting place for Christ followers. Rather, through prayer, rather than anxiously pursuing those things we think we need to grab for or provide for ourselves, we acknowledge God and recognize who he is. And when we do that, we're given the promise that God's peace, the biblical term for this is shalom. We find this all throughout the Old Testament. God's peace, his wholeness, things and relationships being made as they ought to be made. This wholeness will guard us. It will guard our lives as we walk together in Christ. We need to celebrate every day by, through prayer together. Number three, we need to rejoice through contemplating and practicing good together. Contemplating and practicing good together. Verses eight and nine say this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, that is, whatever conforms to the gospel, whatever is noble, that is, whatever is worthy of respect, Paul goes on, whatever is right, he's talking about righteous right here. Whatever is righteous, that is, whatever conforms to right relationship with God and others, the way God defines it. Whatever is pure, that is, whatever is untainted by evil. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. In other words, those things that are well spoken of by people, acknowledged by people as being good and beautiful. If anything, Paul goes on, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about. He says, consider or reckon. This is not about merely thinking about things like, hey, that's a good idea. It's about bending our lives toward. It's about measuring ourselves with these things. Think about such things. Verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put into practice. He says, follow my example. 
of this cruciform life. We've been talking about this cruciform life for weeks, this, this life that is marked and shaped and guided by the very cross of Jesus Christ and the self-sacrifice that goes along with that. And he says, and the peace, and the God of peace, excuse me, there's that, that word, the God of peace, that shalom, that wholeness, the God who brings wholeness to our lives and situations as we are together in Christ, the God of peace will be with you. It's pretty incredible and encouraging stuff. Now here Paul is using a bit of Greco-Roman moral rhetoric. These are phrases and ideas that the Philippians would have, been, would have understood because most of them were Gentile converts. They came out of that world, out of that Greco-Roman world, where they had been trained and learned and grown and, and all of that. And now they're coming into the church, okay? They're Christians now. They're Christ followers. But the way Paul uses it is that the measure of what is true, noble, right, all of those things is whether or not it lines up with the gospel, Okay? So the gospel becomes the final measuring stick here. Now, Paul is here inviting the Philippians to look for good everywhere, but to determine if it is truly good by applying the lens of the gospel to it. Does it, does it actually comport with what God is doing, with who God is, what God says about himself, about the world, about other people, all of those things, okay? Now, this means that we take the best of our culture. You need to hear me say this. We get to take the best of our culture, those things that actually reflect the goodness of God, and use them in our mission to colonize where we are at with the life of heaven. You guys, this means that the gospel, this message that about God loving us and the world and bringing about rescue, this message of the gospel is for our world. It's not merely for something later on. It's to have an effect here and now. I, from time to time, my son will come to me or my wife and ask us, hey, can I do this or can I watch that or can I eat this? You know, all of those kinds of things. And for whatever reason, sometimes the answer is no. It's like, well, no, not right now, buddy. We're going to be doing something else. And from time to time, I hear him, he'll just start grumbling. He'll be like, man, I can't wait to be an adult and I'll get to choose what I do and I'll get to do whatever I want, eat whatever I want, stay up as late as I want when I'm living on my own. All of that kind of a thing. How often do we have that kind of an attitude where we see the situations and the occurrences around us and all we're doing is we're focused on, okay, when, when do I, how can I just slog through this right now so that I can get beyond it, get past it? How often do, let's be honest, how often do we approach the world around us that way? Where we're just so looking forward to being in heaven at some point that, that we, are, we begin ignoring the world around us. You guys, the reality of what Paul tells us in Philippians 4.8 is that the gospel is for our present world and situation right here, right now, this very moment. God has not abandoned the world. And just as he sent Jesus into the world to affect his rescue of the world, you and I are here to bring God's rescue and life into the world as we interact with the people and the situations around us 
And it's going to require us to contemplate the good, the lovely, the wholesome, the righteous, all of those things in the world around us, and to use those things to live the message of the gospel. And as Paul has so frequently said throughout this letter, we do this while we keep our eyes on the examples ahead of us who are living the cruciform life, who are living the life of self-sacrifice that Jesus himself lived and, and put on display, that Paul lived and put on display. We keep our eyes on that example because that's the kind of life we need to be living. Whatever you have received from or learned by watching me put into practice, Paul says. In other words, love. Love first and love above all else. This is the way of living our citizenship in God's family together in a manner worthy of the gospel. You guys, what might happen in the world around us? What might happen here in South Hill, here in Puyallup, here in Pierce County, here as we move forward living this way? What might happen? What might the world see around us as, as we determine to live our lives in Christ together in a manner worthy of the gospel. As J.R.R. Tolkien said, it is not up to us to determine what time is given to us. It is only up to us to determine what to do with the time we have. What will we do in this moment? Will we live our citizenship boldly in a manner, together boldly in a manner worthy of the gospel, putting Jesus on display, celebrating God every day in every way in prayer and in living out the gospel. Will we live our citizenship together in a manner worthy of the gospel in this time? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you that this challenge is not about us earning favor in front of you. You already give us your favor. You already give us your goodness. And God, I just want to take a minute and thank you for that. Thank you, God, for your mercy and your goodness that, that you don't require us to measure up in order for you to love us. You just love us because we are your creatures. God, thank you. We cast ourselves at your feet and we say we rely on you. We acknowledge you as God, as the source of and, 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 and the direction of our joy and our hope. But God, help us to live out of that love that you give us in a manner worthy of the gospel. That we can put you on display that we can show each other and the world around us who you are. Because that's what you've called us to do. Help us to be creative as we do that. To, to use the things at hand, whether those, those are talents and gifts that we've got in ourselves or, or things that we see in the world around us that actually do reflect uh, what you're about and who you are. Using those things to be creative in living this life and, and delivering your message and bringing the life of heaven into every situation where we are at. God, we need to do this. Our world needs us to do this right here and right now. Help us. Empower us by your spirit to do this, we pray. 
Now, maybe you're here and, and you haven't begun your life as a Christ follower, but you want in on this life that this loving, good God has. You know, you can see that, the, that what the world has around us pales in comparison to what we're talking about here in terms of life and, and goodness and love. And you want to be part of it. I'm going to say a prayer. Just make it your own. Father, here I am. And all of my flaws and all of my weakness and all of my failures and all of my triumphs, I give it all to you. I recognize you as God, you as king, and I give you me. Make me your child right now, I pray. God, for anyone who made that prayer theirs, I ask that you would fill their hearts and their minds with your spirit. That, that their hearts and their minds would be flooded with the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they would experience him more and more as, the, as they engage in this life that you have for them. God, I pray that for all of us, that we would know you more, that we would grow in you more, that we would, we would mature in you Have your way in us. And God, have your way through us. We thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, God is good. He's good all of the time. We can trust him. We can rely on him. And I want to encourage you to do that this week. Go forth this week celebrating him. Let him be the substance. Let him be the content. Let him be the direction of your joy this week. Focus on his goodness and live that out toward each other and toward the world around us. May you go this week in the love of God, in the presence of Jesus Christ, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. You guys have a great week. Come back next week. We're going to start a new series. But have a great week. And once again, happy Father's Day.